Well, believe it or not, I was brought up in a home where we watched wrestling on television. Now, you've got to think this is way back. I knew all the greats back then, the Boogie Woogie Man, the Rock and Roll Express tag team, Andre the Giant, the Macho Man Randy Savage, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and of course, Anson County's own, the Junkyard Dog. Now, I didn't know when I was growing up as a boy watching wrestling on television that while these people were highly trained athletes, amazing athletes, that the matches were fixed. They were not only athletes, they were also entertainers. And these matches were planned out and they followed kind of a script, if you will, of who was going to become the champion. But nonetheless, it was entertaining. And we had a lot of fun watching it. Real wrestling, if you were to grab onto somebody and wrestle today and it was real, it's much different. It's hard, it's arduous, it's sweaty, it's exhausting, it strains the muscles, it taxes our system, it tests our endurance. It is something sometimes that you may find yourself wrestling literally for your life. Now, I bring all that up today because we're going to go to another notable night in the Bible. We're in a series right now thinking about some of the notable nights in the Bible. And this night was a very significant night. It's a very interesting night. In some ways, it's an unusual night. And you may even leave with questions about all that took place that night. But I'm talking about a night of wrestling that we find in the Bible. Now, those of you that are students of the Bible, some of you may already be headed to the book of Genesis because you may have already figured out that I'm talking about Jacob's wrestling match with the Lord. You'll find the story in Genesis chapter 32. And if you would turn there, we'll read the story together and talk for a few minutes about this notable night, a night of wrestling, Jacob and the Lord wrestling. As a boy... Growing up in Sunday school and then growing up in church, uh, I've known this story most of my life, but the reality is it still makes me think, it still makes me ponder some of the meaning, and I still have questions, and you probably will as well. But the lesson, the overall lesson is very clear, and I hope that I can give that lesson to you today, and you'll leave at least with that. Now, I want to set the stage. You remember that Jacob was the con man, he was the schemer, he was the supplanter, And he has just left Laban. And Jacob is a rich man now. He has lots of flocks and herds. And God has prospered him in a wonderful way. But as he's heading on his journey, ahead of him is his brother Esau. Think about it this way. He's in between Laban, who's even more of a con man than he was, (laughs) Laban and his brother Esau. Now, the last time he saw Esau, things were not good. In fact, his brother Esau wanted to kill him. Now, as he's on this journey with Laban behind him and Esau ahead of him, Jacob receives word that Esau is coming toward him with 400 men. Obviously, Jacob is scared. He's terrified. And I wish we had more time to develop all that and We did do a series on Jacob's life. I think those messages may still be up. But this morning, I want to focus primarily upon this particular scene within it. I just wanted to set the stage. Remember, he's left Laban. Esau's ahead of him. 
Esau's coming toward him with 400 men. We find the passage here, Genesis 32. And if you will, go ahead and find verse 22. We'll pick up the reading there. And he arose that night. This is talking about Jacob. And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, that is Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the muscle that shrank. Now, before we dive in, I need to talk to you for a moment about this man that wrestled with Jacob. Here, we're not given the man's name. Jacob asked him. He was not granted the name. But I need to tell you that this was more than just a mere man. In fact, we understand that Jacob, more than likely, was wrestling with none other than a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know that's a kind of a, a hard phrase. Pre-incarnate just means this is Jesus before he came as a babe in Bethlehem. Sometimes referred to as the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. This is what we call in theology a Christophany. That is an appearance of the Lord Jesus. And so more than likely he was wrestling with the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes referred to as the angel of the Lord. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, you can mark this reference down. I'll read it for you. Hosea chapter 12 verses 3 through 5 says it this way. He took his brother by the heel in the womb. That's Jacob. And in strength he struggled with God. Yes, he struggled with the angel, the angel, and prevailed. He wept and sought favor from him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spoke to us. That is the Lord of hosts, the God of hosts, the Lord is his memorable name. And then did you notice in our passage where we read in verse number 30, where he renames the place? It says this, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. So more than likely, this was not just an angel of the Lord. This is the one referred to as the angel of the Lord, the Lord Jesus himself in his pre-incarnate state. Later he'll come, we'll see in the New Testament, we'll celebrate it next month where he takes upon flesh permanently. But here he comes as this man, I'm convinced. Now, did you notice as we read today, beloved, that Jacob did not initiate this fight? The Lord himself initiated it. And the question is why? Why did the Lord come and literally wrestle with Jacob? Well, you have to understand the Lord wanted to bring Jacob to the end of himself. 
He wanted to bring Jacob to the end of himself. If you look at Jacob's life, I told you, Jacob's the supplanter, the schemer, the con man, the conniver. And God was bringing Jacob to the end of himself. You see, Jacob's biggest problem was not Laban and it was not Esau. Jacob's biggest problem was Jacob. Jacob's biggest problem was himself. Have you found that to be true in your life? You know, I've struggled more with myself than anybody else on planet Earth. That's my problem. That's Jacob's problem. Theodore Epps said Jacob's life was filled with self-will and self-purpose, self-defense, self-desire and self-righteousness. Jacob's self-life had to be dealt with. And the moment here that Jacob is alone, you know, he sent other people ahead. By the way, he was kind of buttering up Esau. If you're wondering, why did he send his family ahead? Why did he send his wives ahead? He was going to make different ones to come to Esau and kind of butter him up and kind of maybe wear him down. And that way, when he finally got up with Jacob, things wouldn't go so bad for Jacob. But he's alone here in the evening. And we find that when he's alone, the Lord grabs a hold of him. And begins to wrestle. Now we're going to be in a hurry today. So listen quick. But I want to give you three words. Three words we find here. The first word is this. Stubbornness. We see stubbornness in this story. Did you notice as we read today that it says that they wrestled all night long? It says there in verse 24, they wrestled until the breaking of the day. Can you in your mind's eye kind of picture there in the dark this wrestling Imagine this, wrestling for hours. Jacob refuses to give in. He's fighting for his life. I don't know at the very beginning he knew who this person was. Just this person grabs a hold of him. They're wrestling along. Now you and I know that God could have crushed Jacob in a nanosecond. I mean, it's not like he was really trying to overcome Jacob physically. But instead, the Lord lets Jacob wrestle on And on and on. And then finally in verse 25, it says that the Lord touched the socket of Jacob's hip and he put his hip out of joint. Now imagine how painful that would be to have your joint there, just go out of, out of, uh, your hip go out of joint there. And you're there and crying out in agony and pain and this person still got a hold of you. But listen, God is not trying to hurt Jacob. He's trying to bless Jacob. This was done out of love. I love what Donald Gray Barnhouse said. He said, God's love is so persistent that He will even cripple a man to get to his heart. God did not want Jacob depending upon himself. God was bringing Jacob to an end of himself so that his dependence would be upon God alone. This was a real wrestling match. It was sweat. It was grime. It was groans. It was pain. It was just hard. But Roper pointed out that Jacob's wrestling, though a literal match, was symbolic as well. It's symbolic of the spiritual struggle that occupies us. It has to do with our hesitancy toward God. We, we place limits on God about how much God can have in our life, how much He can call the shots in our life, and God is working to bring us to the end of ourselves. And some, at some point in that evening, when his hip is out of socket, Jacob realized This is no ordinary man that I'm wrestling. And it says that Jacob begins to cling to his opponent. And he won't let him go. Which brings us to our second point, and we're simply going to call it this surrender. Surrender. Jacob knew that he was defeated. He was there. His hip was out of 
uh, socket there. He, he goes from resisting God to clinging to God. Crying out for a blessing. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Did you notice when I read the passage from Hosea that it says he cried out to the Lord? He was weeping. He's crying out that God might bless him. And the Lord asked for Jacob's name. He says, what's your name in verse 27? Now, you know, the Lord doesn't ask questions because he's obtaining knowledge. The Lord knows everything. He didn't have to ask what your name is. He knows your name. So what's going on there? Well, more than likely, what he's doing is bringing Jacob to an end of himself by making him confess what his name is. Because names, especially back then, had tremendous meaning. And Jacob had to confess his name. He had to confess who he was. I am Jacob. His name matched his character. I'm Jacob. I'm the heel catcher. I'm the supplanter. I'm the deceiver. I'm the con man. I'm the schemer. I'm Jacob. I'm Jacob. I'm Jacob. You see, Jacob lost the wrestling match that night, but he really actually won. Adrian Rogers said it so well. God crippled him that he might crown him. God broke him that he might bless him. And he goes from a name of shame to God's hall of fame. He becomes a prince with God, Israel. Israel! Because he came to the end of himself finally. Surrender. But look what it took to get him there. Wrestling all night long! Till finally he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And there's a third word I want to give you. And it's the word surprise. Surprise. I, I picked that word because I thought if, if I was reading this story for the first time, and, and there was some point in my life where I heard the story for the first time. I was probably a boy. I don't remember when it was. But, but if I was reading this story for the first time, I might come away, you might come away surprised. I mean, if we were writing the story, would we really bless a scoundrel like Jacob? One who was a schemer, a con man, a heel catcher, one who wrestled with the Lord all night and would not give in? What a surprise, is it not, that God gave him a new name. No longer Jacob the supplanter, but Israel, a prince with God. God gave him a new walk. It says that he had a limp. And he kept that limp the rest of his life. And that limp, every time that he would limp, was a reminder that he needed to depend upon the Lord. That he was desperate for the Lord in his life. What a surprise that God wrestles with us. God deals with us not to harm us, but to help us. Not to beat us up, but to bless us. Calvin said it this way, God fights against us with His left hand and for us with His right hand. Think about that. God fights against us with one hand and for us on the other. Why? Because He loves us. He loves us tremendously, perfectly, unconditionally, and He wants the very best for us. And He will not leave us to ourselves. He wants to bring us to the end of ourselves where we're totally dependent upon Him and trusting Him and living for Him. Don't we sometimes lose our surprise? Christian, listen, don't we lose our surprise? We lose our wonder. We, we, use, we lose our joy. We, we forget about the amazing grace, how sweet the sound 
that saved a wretch like me. We forget what we were. We forget how we were. Enemies of God. Shaking our puny fist in God's hand, uh, God's face as it were. And in grace, He says, I love you. In grace, He says, I want you. In grace, He reaches down and saves us and forgives us and adopts us into His family. We, we lose our surprise. We lose our wonder. We lose our joy. Are we still amazed by God's grace and goodness to scoundrels like us? Because all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. I remember in my own life when I came to faith in Christ as a boy, I was in a revival meeting. And the, the first night of that meeting where I was under conviction, I did not yield to the Lord that night. I went home still unsaved, still lost. Had I died that night, I would have went to hell. But God didn't take His, His hand up off of my life. He dealt with me and the very next night I came back and I placed my faith in Jesus Christ alone. His amazing grace. What surprise. Now I know you may still have some questions about all of this and you're kind of picturing how does all this work with this wrestling and all this. But I think the overall lesson is very clear and I don't want you to miss it. It's this. God loves us too much to leave us to ourselves. He wants us to submit to Him so He can truly bless us. Let me say it again. God loves us too much to leave us to ourselves. He wants us to submit to Him fully so He can bless us tremendously. Now what about you? What is it that you're wrestling with God about this morning? Yeah, I know that it's not a literal match where you're physically getting in there with the Lord, but in your heart, in your spirit today, you might be wrestling with the Lord. What area are you holding back from Him? Some of you may be wrestling like I was so many years ago, needing to be saved, but putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Don't put it off. Trust Christ today. Some, maybe you're saved and... There's some sin that you're holding on to in your life and God keeps talking to you about that sin and the Holy Spirit puts His finger on that sin and you keep doing it and you, well, forgive me, Lord, but you won't really truly forsake it. Others, maybe God is directing you to do something that in all honesty you don't want to do. Maybe there's someone you're holding a grudge against, someone you need to forgive. Maybe it's just something as simple as getting baptized. Whatever the case may be. Maybe it's about speaking to a neighbor about Christ. Maybe it's about inviting someone to church. But you're kind of resting with the Lord and you keep saying no to Him. Can I just say to you today, surrender. Submit. Give up. You won't regret it. The Lord is not seeking to harm you or hurt you. He wants to help you. He wants to bless you. We see it right here. He could have destroyed Jacob. And yet he brings the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, through a man like Jacob. God even allows himself to be called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Israel, Jacob. And we see here that God gives him a new name. God gives him a new walk. And I want to encourage you today that whatever it is that you're wrestling with the Lord about, to give up, to give in. To say, Lord, I want you. I cling to you. I will not let you go unless you bless me.
Would you bow right there in your pew? Just bow your head. Close your eyes. Maybe today you need to be saved. God the Holy Spirit has been dealing with your heart. Right now, right where you are, you can pray and receive Christ. Just, just talk to Him right where you are. Say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm lost. I know I can't save myself. I believe that Jesus lived for me. I believe that Jesus died for me. He died for my sin. I believe He was buried and rose again. Lord, the best way I know how today, I cry out to You. I don't want my sin anymore. I want Christ as my Lord and Savior. And friend, I can tell you upon the Word of God, if you truly cry out to the Lord, you will be saved. Others, you are saved. But God's put His finger on some sin in your life or something He wants you to do or something He's calling you to do and you keep saying no, no, no. You keep rationalizing. You keep procrastinating. You keep putting it off. Today is the day you say yes to the Lord Jesus. He longs to help you. He longs to bless you. Submit. Cling to Him. And say, Lord, I want your will for my life. I will not let you go until you bless me. I want to give you just a moment right there in your pew to talk to the Lord. Then I'm going to pray. And by the way, if we can help you after the service, we'd love to do that as well. Pastor Larry is here. Others are here. But I'm going to pray. We're going to have a closing hymn. And during that closing hymn, you can come forward and you can pray at this altar. Maybe you can come and pray and surrender. You can pray that God would help you in whatever way it might be. But I want to give you a moment before then to pray right where you are and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. And would you say to Him, yes, yes. Take a moment there and pray, would you?